RTHK, the news at 11 with Barry O'Rourke. Tonight's headlines, metal fatigue seen as the likely cause of a falling surgical light at United Christian Hospital. Police arrest three people on suspicion of murder, with sources saying the victim is a fashion influencer. And the financial secretary faces a barrage of calls about face masks during his budget phone-in. An expert advisor to the hospital authority says metal fatigue probably caused a surgical light to fall at United Christian Hospital last week. At a press conference, engineer Eric Lim said a total of 23 surgical lights from the brand Gettinger were found to be potentially unsafe. Dr Michael Wong, the Director of Quality and Safety with the authority, said the HA was dissatisfied with the vendor's performance, but he refused to say whether there had been any oversight by the authority. We are pressing hard for the vendor to hand us the investigation report as soon as possible. But our priority is that they need to fix our lights as soon as possible to uh, put our operating filter back in use first. So uh, both are important issues. We actually now ask Dr. Lim for the help to provide investigations, provide recommendations, and we will increase our vigilance and try to make sure that the future vendors will follow their procedures. And we will try to have a surprise check to the vendor to ensure that they do their job properly. Police have arrested three people on suspicion of murder, with sources saying the victim is a fashion influencer, Abby Choi. Ms Choi has been missing since Tuesday after last appearing in Fochun Road in Taipo. Officers have been investigating the case in a village house in Lung Mei Tun. The case is being looked into by the West Kowloon Crime Squad. On Wednesday, the force described Ms Choi as being 28 years old, about 1.5 metres tall and weighing around 40 kilograms. She was last seen wearing a long-sleeved white top with white trousers and white shoes while carrying a purple handbag. Finance Minister Paul Chan says he fully understands people's desires to stop wearing face masks after three years of COVID. He was responding to questions during an RTHK phone-in programme about his budget, during which several callers asked when the mask mandate would be scrapped. If the government really wants to make Hong Kongers happy again, why not give them control over their lives again by allowing them to choose to wear masks or not? Imagine, though, if you will, that you and your family are traveling from and, and looking at various locations mm. in Asia. Would you personally choose a country with a mask mandate to take your family to against one that doesn't? It's very difficult to tell people and persuade people that we are a leading international center when we are the last people on the planet to remove masks. Mr Chan said the rule would likely be dropped towards the end of this season, as he put it. He said the matter was high on the government's agenda. Mr Chan also warned people not to expect regular rounds of spending vouchers after he announced a third round of consumption vouchers. He told the phone-in programme that issuing vouchers wasn't financially sustainable and even at the reduced amount of $5,000 this time round, it would still cost the government around $33 billion. We think we should reinforce the recovery and at the same time, after three years' difficulty, some of the members in the community are still in a pretty stressful situation. So hopefully this $5,000 will help. We'll keep this under review, uh, but this is not going to be a routine measure. Singapore has warned companies dealing with Russian oil imports that they risk becoming entangled in Western sanctions against Moscow. The city-state is handling increasing amounts of cheap Russian oil as other markets are closed off. 
And North Korea has test-fired four strategic cruise missiles into the sea. The state news agency said the missiles travelled 2,000 kilometres, adding that the drill demonstrated the conflict readiness of what it called Pyongyang's nuclear combat force. And the World Health Organization says it's working with the Cambodian authorities to address a deadly outbreak of bird flu. An 11-year-old girl died in southeastern Cambodia after contracting the H5N1 strain of the virus earlier this week. But the WHO says that the overall risk to humans remains low. And now to the weather. It'll be mainly fine and dry. Some haze at first, cool tomorrow morning. The minimum temperature will be around 15 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees lower in the new territories. The maximum temperature will be around 20 degrees during the day. Moderate north to northeasterly winds strengthening gradually tonight, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground. And the outlook, mainly fine and dry, windy early next week, cool in the morning. Currently the temperature is 20 degrees Celsius, the relative humidity 50%. Please be aware the red fire danger warning is in force. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Environment Minister Tsi Chin Wan says taxi owners can borrow up to $350,000 under a government-backed loan scheme to switch to electric vehicles. It's also going to subsidise the e-cabs, as Frank Young reports. Mr Zhe told RTHK that if all taxi owners applied for the scheme, it would involve a loan guarantee of some $6.4 billion. Loans will be repayable over 10 years. The Secretary for the Environment said... The government will also provide subsidies of up to half the price of an electric taxi in a trial scheme under the new energy transport fund. If the electric taxi costs more than traditional ones, we'll subsidize the amount of the price difference. If it doesn't cost more, the subsidy we provide can cover half the price of the vehicle. Of course, when the trade has found a suitable model of electric taxi after trial and they are in use extensively, we will discuss the amount of subsidy with the sector. Mr. Zhe said 10 fast charging points for e-cabs will be built this year, adding that the government plans to build hundreds more across the territory. He also said the authorities aim to do tests on double-decker buses that run on hydrogen fuel cells this year. CityBus has been running trials on a tailor-made hydrogen double-decker since last summer. But the government's tests, Mr. Zhe said, will be more to do with the practicalities of running such vehicles. We have to test the refueling of hydrogen, so now we've decided to build hydrogen stations at a few locations, including Aotau and Taipo. Another one may be in Chaiwan. And by doing trials, we will see what safety standards are required, because we haven't had hydrogen-powered vehicles in Hong Kong before. The minister added that rubbish trucks and container vehicles may also be included in the trial. Home prices have rebounded slightly for the first time in seven months. They rose by 0.6% last month from the lowest reading recorded in more than five and a half years. However, compared to January 2022, prices were still down 14%. Hannah Jiong, the head of valuation and advisory services at Colliers Hong Kong, doesn't expect property prices to rise much in the near future. She told Frank Young why declining home prices reversed course last month. January home prices rebound mainly driven by number of transactions has been postponed by last quarter of 22. Due to the interest rate high, it was quite difficult for the new home buyers to close the transaction. Now the high bull rate went down significantly, not as low as before 0%. 
but that helped some of the transaction able to close. So the actually January transaction uh, mainly pent up um, transaction didn't wasn't able to close last quarter of 2022. So do you expect uh, home prices to rise after this rebound? And what is your forecast for the remainder of this year? After the budget announcement, the stimulus of, from the government is not too significant. And they just reduced the same duty below 10 million value of the flat. So it won't really help them, the price level much. So we will see transaction volume coming back, but the price expectation, we are still looking at the minus 3% decrease in 2023. The Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury have announced a forum will be held next month in a bid to get family offices and businesses to move to Hong Kong. Christopher Hoy explained that the initiative is not just about attracting more firms, but that social benefits that family companies often bring. Here's Maggie Ho. Financial Secretary Paul Chan announced in his budget on Wednesday that the government will give Invest Hong Kong $100 million to attract more family offices to the city. Enlarging on this, Mr. Hoi unveiled the Wealth for Good in Hong Kong forum. He said its title spells out the government's objectives. There are two meanings. One, lasting. After all, family businesses have the feature that is different from other businesses. They hope that they will have a financial heritage that's passed on to other generations. Next, good means good deeds. We can see that onto the second and the third generations, they are not looking for financial rewards. They are looking for rewards with impact investment, that is, at the community level. The minister said that this includes charity work and environmental, social and governance investment. Mr. Hoy did not disclose the scale of the businesses the government hopes to persuade to move to the SAR, saying details of the forum will be announced in due course. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has pledged to push for victory in 2023 as he and other Ukrainians mark the the somber first anniversary of the Russian military assault that changed their lives. Mr Zelensky made a televised address early this morning saying that Ukraine will never rest until the Russian murderers face deserved punishment. A year ago, from this very place, I addressed you with a short statement. It lasted only 67 seconds. It contained the two most important things, then and now, that Russia started a full-scale war against us, and that we are strong. We are ready for anything. We will defeat everyone. Because we are Ukraine. That is how February 24th, 2022 began. The longest day of our lives. The hardest day of our modern history. We woke up early and haven't fallen asleep since. We will never rest until the Russian murderers face the punishment they deserve, the punishment of the International Tribunal, the judgment of God, of our warriors, or all of them together. Meanwhile, China has called for a ceasefire between Ukraine and Russia and the opening of peace talks as part of a 12-point proposal to end the conflict. It was unveiled on the one-year anniversary of Moscow's military campaign. Vicky Wong has more. A position paper released by the foreign ministry in Beijing says dialogue and negotiation are the only viable solution to the Ukraine crisis. 
It also says conflict and war benefit no one, and all parties involved must exercise restraint and prevent the crisis from worsening or even spiraling out of control. China also calls for the end of unilateral sanctions imposed on Moscow, measures to ensure the safety of nuclear facilities, and the establishment of humanitarian corridors for the evacuation of civilians, among other things. Speaking before the proposal's release, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky called it an important first step. The plan was unveiled just days after top diplomat Wang Yi's visit to Russia. Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney from East China Normal University in Shanghai told RTHK China is best placed to help negotiate peace. China is a member of the Security Council. It's the biggest power in the world that has a neutral position on this conflict. It has positive relations with both Kiev and Moscow. When Wang Yi announced that there would be a proposal forthcoming, this was received with some optimism in Kiev, and certainly Putin received Wang Yi warmly in Moscow. So China may be the one country at this point in time, at the right point in time, where this type of proposal might work. Professor Mahoney also says the time is right for a peace proposal, with the conflict in Ukraine at a stalemate for several months now. And NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg has reacted reservedly to China's proposal for a ceasefire in Ukraine, saying Beijing did not have a lot of credibility as a mediator because they may not have been able to condemn Russia's military assault. Football, and with a look ahead to this weekend's action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. After plenty of twists and turns over the last few weeks, the Premier League title race continues, with leaders Arsenal and second-placed Manchester City up against teams hoping to avoid relegation. Arsenal have a two-point lead at the top of the table, going into an away match at Leicester City, who are just four points above the drop zone. Arsenal are on a high after the late win at Aston Villa, ended a run of three Premier League matches without a victory, and they've won their last four games against Leicester. Meanwhile, Manchester City have drawn their last two fixtures despite dominating against Nottingham Forest and RB Leipzig, so they'll be hoping to take their chances when they meet Bournemouth, who beat Wolves last Saturday. Third place, Manchester United and fifth place, Newcastle United, have a break from Premier League action this weekend. They meet in the EFL Cup final for the chance to win the first major trophy of the season. That means Tottenham, who are fourth in the table, can gain some ground in the fight to qualify for the Champions League if they beat their London rivals Chelsea, who are in awful form. Not only have Chelsea not won in five games, but they've also only scored three goals in their last nine matches. And to end the news, a reminder of our top stories tonight. An expert advisor to the hospital authority says metal fatigue probably caused a surgical light to fall at United Christian Hospital last week. And police have arrested three people on suspicion of murder, with sources saying the victim is a fashion influencer, Abby Choi. Miss Choi has been missing since Tuesday after last appearing in Fochun Road in Taipo. And the financial secretary faces a barrage of calls about face masks during his budget phone-in. That's all the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you 
my dear, at twilight time. And to one and all, a very good evening. Thanks for tuning in to Twilight Time. 45 minutes of music to mostly kick back and relax to. If you've had a bit of a week this week, you've come to the right place. Plus, if you'd like to choose a song, it's radiopete at email.com. But our first one tonight from Henry Hall and his orchestra. Together at last at twilight time If you go down in the woods today You're sure of a big surprise If you go down in the woods today You better go in disguise For every bear that ever there was Will gather there for certain because Today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. treat today there's lots of marvelous things to eat and wonderful games to play beneath the trees where nobody sees they'll hide and seek as long as they please that's the way the teddy bears have their picnic picnic time for teddy bears the little teddy bears are having a lovely time today Watch them, catch them unawares, and see them picnic on the holiday. See them gaily get about, they love to play and shout, they never have any cares. At six o'clock their mummies and daddies will take them home to bed, cause they're tired little teddy bears. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better not go alone. It's lovely down in the woods today, but safer to stay at home. For every bear that ever there was, we'll gather there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. Yeah. 